Morning, good afternoon, good evening. You're listening to the All Talk Car Podcast Christmas Special. On behalf of Halil, Ross, the roving reporter, security and everyone else who has helped us put the show together, we wish you a Merry Christmas. We would like to thank our guests and listeners who have reached out to us and made their cars available for live drives. Thank you to Mercedes, BMW and the team at Tesla for being good friends of the show. And furthermore, we thank you for listening and making this fun for us to make. As a special treat, we will play the interview from an American show called Skagit Talks, KSVR FM 91.7, covering news from their region, where I was recently interviewed by Ann Nash during my time at SEMA. I hope you enjoy the interview, and we'll see you again in 2023 with bigger live drives and reports from the summer app and many other shenanigans that we can get up to. This is Ann Bottle Nash for Skagit Talks. The SEMA Car Show, Specialty Equipment Show Association, recently held in Vegas, offers an attendee experience like no other trade show on the planet, so they say. It's the best place to see thousands of the newest automotive performance products from new and iconic exhibitors, discover the latest product and vehicle trends, and develop essential skills by attending any one of the 70 free education sessions, all of which are led by top industry professionals. Well, one of the exhibitors at the show this year is from our area, Bellingham specifically, APP EV Systems, a company which has designed a kit to retrofit classic cars with electric motors. In fact, they received two awards during the show, runner-up in the Best New Electric Vehicle Product 2023, and a SEMA Global Media Award winner as selected by a panel of international media judges. During the SEMA show, industry visitors from around the globe were in attendance, and one of those was Peter Ronis, of an Australian podcast called All Talk Car. Peter was invited as a global media judge and had to go to the new product showcase and select 10 new products that would succeed in his country, Australia. I'd like to welcome Peter Ronis to the show. Hi, Peter. Thanks for joining me. G'day, Anne, and to all your listeners. Thank you. Can you give me an overview of your take on the SEMA show to our listeners and its importance to the aftermarket car part industry? Well, the U.S. is synonymous with cars and car accessories, and and it's basically the whole world coming together in one place uh, to showcase their latest wares. So you've got buyers, you've got sellers, um, you've got media. Um, apparently, the, the statistics for this year, there were 65,000 registered buyers uh, coming to see 1,900 exhibitors, and, and they're from all over the world, in, I mean, from, from your end of the woods, from APP EV Systems um, to Australian companies and, and, and Mexican companies and, and, and from Asia as well. So um, it basically, it's a, it's a way for everyone to sort of get together face-to-face. There is so much you can do over the net and by emails, but sometimes the deal's done by a handshake and, and a meet and greet, and SEMA provides that. It's been going for over 50 years, and it's become one of the largest conventions slash shows um, in Las Vegas, and it's not open to the public. Mm-hmm. Except I understand uh, on one day at the very end of the show. And that's tonight. So it's called SEMA Ignited. So from about 4 o'clock to about 7 o'clock, uh, all, the sh- all the cars that are on display um, have a circuit um, that they come out and parade in front of the public. Um, so the demand was high. I mean, everyone, everyone that's in the car world knows and has heard of SEMA. 
um, and it's a way for them to sort of connect with the public and they can get an opportunity to see all the modified vehicles um, from big, tall trucks to EVs to um, hot rods and rat rods to any car you can think of and truck. And truck, yeah. So tell me, why are Australians in particular interested in EV electric vehicle vehicle innovations in particular? It's the way of the world. Um, we have governments and they are telling us that gas is bad and electricity is good. So um, I'm not going to get into arguments as to where the electricity comes from, whether that's good or bad with coal, etc., etc. But um, I own an electric vehicle. I own a Tesla Model 3 and, and I know there's a lot around here. And to compare a gas vehicle with an electric vehicle, especially in traffic, there's there's no noise, there's no gearbox, there's no. It's just a smooth glide to on your commute to work. It's great around town. I haven't paid for for gas in the last two months since I've had it. Um, EVs are great cars, but they're meant to suit your lifestyle as well. If you do a lot of commuting, uh, dropping off kids, and running around the city, it's the ideal. Where if you're salesmen on long trips um interstate they're not there yet you need an infrastructure to support such a vehicle you need a charging network um uh but to answer your question and that the governments are pushing it so i'm not sure in the state of washington um what mandates or they've got on the sale of um electric vehicles compared to gas vehicles but in australia um they're trying to put targets like 2030 that all new vehicles sold uh, will be electric. And yes, in in Washington State also. I don't. I think it's a little after twenty thirty, but it's not that far down the road. I know I've been surprised, and recently I've read a little pushback on that. That buyers of automobiles are not so crazy about the idea, although probably most people understand the the uh, the value of it from a from a lot of aspects. But you're right; the infrastructure is part of the problem. The cost also. Normally, things are consumer-driven or demand-driven, but when you've got a government that legislates and says you must do that, then things like the infrastructure has to catch up. They're forced to, and whether the government gives grants. In Australia, there's grants being given to companies to set up the infrastructure. That's one thing to roll it out. The other thing is to maintain it. So you're creating jobs to maintain the infrastructure, and is it, is it being maintained? I've heard of stories where people go to a charge network and they swipe their card and there's no one there. It's not like a gas station where there's someone there controlling the pumps. You're in the middle of nowhere with a, a spotlight and you're swiping your card and you're hoping to get power. So you're right. I think the infrastructure may not be there, but, you know, we're talking eight, seven, eight, nine years' time. A lot can happen when, when people are forced to or, or there's opportunities for companies to see a, an opportunity to make money out of it as well. So... um in Australia, there are certain uh, gas stations that are now introducing um, charge charges at a gas station, um, mm. but with that, they're promoting a cafe-style um, gas station where you can spend 20 minutes having a coffee, having a, a, a quick bite, and then on your way. So, um, And when you think about it, it takes five to 10 minutes to fill up your gas car. By the time you, the guy in front of you moves on and, and you go inside and prepay like you do in the States and then fill it up and maybe go back and get your change, you'd be surprised if five, 10 minutes have gone by where 
um, with these new superchargers, you can get close to 50 to 60% charge up, you know, about 150 miles in, in 20 to 25 minutes as well. So, and, and, and the funny thing is with my Tesla, I've got Netflix and YouTube on my screen. So if I really want to catch up on a 20 minute show while it's uh, charging <laughs> away, um, you can do things. <laughs> You're multitasking, my yeah. friend. <laughs> so it's uh, quite funny that when I first saw that feature, I thought, why? And then when I was sitting there for 20 minutes, I knew why. So it's yeah. quite interesting the way cars are being designed to fit that lifestyle. And that's what we're talking about. And it's curious you mentioned the cafe style because um, I don't have an electric vehicle, but I have noticed the charging stations at places like casinos here and uh, near restaurants um, and grocery stores like Walmart seem to have yeah. charging stations. And yeah. I, I mean, I, I tend to, when you, when you look up your, your um, navigation, your GPS, it, it, it does show where the nearest um, charge points are. And a lot of them are, the slower ones are in shopping centers. And guess what? My wife and I went shopping at that particular store. It, it can attract um, clientele. So if you are sure. a business um, and you, I think Tesla gives incentives to set up their their network. I'm not sure about other companies in um, in the United States. There's Electrify America, I believe, is one of the other chains where Ford's involved with. Um, I'm sure if you're a retailer or a store owner and you want to attract some business um, by putting up a couple of uh, charge stations and it's going to appear on everyone's GPS, you're going to attract new clientele, yeah, and they'll visit your store because. It's either that or Netflix, I guess, on the dash. But um, people do tend to get out of their vehicles and, and have a quick coffee or, or, or a spot of shopping. Sure. Now, in particular, um, APP EVs products are designed to electrify classic cars. This is the company in Bellingham. What's the future or what's the classic car culture in Australia like? And it, is, there, is there interest in bringing electrification to those cars? It, well, they may be. They may have to be. They may be forced to. Um, that that and that's what we we're saying earlier with the mandate. I mean, I um, walked around SEMA and I interviewed a lot of companies that would appeal to the Australian market, and an APP caught my eye, and that is because yes, you can buy a new electric car. We've we've, we've mentioned a few of the brands before, mm -hmm. but you're right. The, the, what caught my eye is the classic car sort of aspect of that business um they had a, a 60s 70s mercedes and and a lot of these cars are going up in value a lot of them are family heirlooms they get handed down to the next generation it's dad's car or pop's car and the problem is and even when things like unleaded fuel came out in the 80s a lot of these old older engines were leaded and mm -hmm. you even now today you have to adapt if you were to run your classic car you'd have to put some kind of lead replacement formula in the gas before you fill it up i, I had a classic car and i used to sort of put a few drops of magic liquid whatever it does in order to protect the engine if we get to a stage in the future where governments are mandating pushing electric cars and and a sure way a sure way of making that conversion is by pushing gas prices higher so they mm. may add taxes. They may force you to change because either limiting the supply of gas or they're taxing you out of the market. And a lot of these older cars are not fuel efficient as your normal runaround Honda Civic is today. A lot of them drink a lot of gas because back in the 60s and 70s, gas was cheap. Right. So 
sometimes it's a it's a financial decision. You want to keep these classic cars. They got they've got the same look. Um, so the what what um, what um, the what what they were selling is is battery packs. The APP have developed a, a system where you can convert your classic car with their battery pack. So that way, there's no need for any engine, gas, oil. You you've literally electrified your classic car. You plug it in and you drive it like any modern electric car, and you'll have probably better performance. Um, electric cars are pretty quick, um, and you, you may lose that sound, but at the same time, you've still got that look. And if you want to go down in your 60s or 70s classic Mercedes or soft top or whatever it may be, and if that's the way you can bring these, drag these cars into the 21st century and keep them mobile, why not? Um, now, and that's what appealed to me. And you've mentioned something that I hear from uh, some classic car people, and that is that they love the sound of them. You know, they want to be able to rev them up. What do you say to those guys? Well, this is the thing. And, and then, then going back on your original question about Australia, we do have a large classic um, car collection. Australians, it's very similar to the states. Uh, the, the, the they love their V8s. We, yes. we used to have cheap fuel. We're not like Europe, where Europe is still double the price. I mean, people complain in the states and Australia about expensive gas prices, but you go to Europe and it's a, it's almost double. So we're sort of lucky with what we've got. However, um, you're right. That a lot of these older cars are big engines. They make a lot of noise. I think they'll probably be the last um, to convert. Um, there was an, a, an exhibitor at SEMA that had a, a, an electric vehicle with a sound of a V8. And it wasn't <laughs> yeah. very, let me say it wasn't very convincing, but um, <laughs> there's always a workaround. Um, mm. But at, maybe they may develop, uh, I don't know, maybe APP may develop a system where you've got half battery, half engine. So perhaps mm. you can run your vehicle like a hybrid, run the vehicle on electricity when you have to or need to, and then turn the engine on when you're allowed to. Um, possibilities everywhere with, um, with the engineers out there. So... Yeah. Yeah. Okay, let's jump a minute to uh, your your podcast because I'm curious. What does your podcast focus on in Australia? Well, we tried – we want it to be a little bit different. Um, there are a lot of car podcasts out there when this is the brand new Chevy and it costs twenty nine nine ninety, and it comes with power windows. And uh, we didn't want to go down that way. We wanted to – we've got sort of two styles. We want we, – we like interviewing – unique people in the car game. Um, we had a, uh, an interview with a family. It was their second generation. They had an ice cream van. They go around selling. What do they call it in the States? Is it an ice cream van? Uh, food. You go around. Uh, I'm thinking of food. A food. No, we don't call them vans. It's like a food truck, but yeah, that's a food truck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They they play the the tunes. Um, so they they we interviewed them and and how they convert the van and what they do and if they had celebrities come and buy a double chock top. Uh, So uh, we had uh, a a lady who had a company called Galmatic, an Australian company, and she goes around to high schools, originally started teaching young female, teenage females, but then it became uh, teenage kids in high school explaining what 95, 87, all the numbers at a a pump station, what do they Mm -hmm. mean? How to to change a tire? Um, How do you check oil? You know, so... Um, Car we, basics. Yeah, we, we interview people like that that are sort of um, just niche type 
scenario. So yeah, it was it's it's a um, it's a good podcast. We've been doing it for four years. We've got over 150 episodes. Um, the second part is we put the mic in a car and, and take particular cars, listeners' cars out for a live drive. We call it, and we just talk about the particular car and and, and let the listeners have a listen as well. So yeah, wonderful, Peter. How can people find your podcast? Wherever you listen to podcasts, if it's uh, iTunes or um, Spotify, you can, it's it's All Talk Car Podcast. Now, I don't know if it translates. All Talk, we try to do a pun on the word talk as in talking, but I don't know if it translates with, with our accent in, in, the, in the States, but it's all T-O-R-Q-U-E. Uh, car you. podcast and 30, I mean recent analytics showed 30% of our listeners are in North America so um, we resonate I think you can sort of hear from our accent it's quite easy to to follow but yeah no no it's um it's fun and that's why we try and come out to SEMA and 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 meet um, you know people in the states because we have a bit of a following here and it's interesting to listen to the other side of the world uh, sure. what's happening in in the car world generally yes well, Peter Ronis of All Torque Car Park Podcast from Australia, <laughs> thank you so much for joining me today and giving us a little insight into the SEMA show that most of us will never be allowed to attend. Yeah. <laughs> You're in a privileged position, my friend. No, thank you for having us and um, thank so you to welcome. all your listeners and, um, and good luck. Um, go Washington State. So, <laughs> <laughs> thank you. No worries. Yeah, this is Ann Bodle-Nash for Skagit Talks.